Hey, Filmed in Canada is an ongoing podcast about Canadian movies. I'm William. It sounded like you were addressing the audience as if they were filmed in Canada. Oh, hey, right. filmed hey, in you. Canada. Hey, you filmed in Canada. Okay. Hey, stop. <laughs> filmed in Canada is an ongoing podcast about Canadian movies. Yes. Is that better? Yes. All right. Ongoing for almost four years now. Yeah, though it seemed like uh, we took a break for a, a month or two. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Do we, do we owe our one or two listeners an explanation about that? No. No. We only owe each other an explanation. Right. Yeah. So I'm sorry I've been so busy with uh, just like looking after uh, my new child. Yes. And uh, I've given up sleep, but it didn't really compensate for like other things I wanted to do during the day. So mm. anyway, just it's hard to fit a lot of things into the day these days. Yeah. yeah especially if you're losing out on sleep. Uh, I don't know. Maybe we'll make up for it later. Yeah. When I'm well, dead. I, but I just like energy-wise, I feel like yeah. If you're not sleeping, yeah. Well. The thing I think I think with uh, when you're not when you don't feel fully rested, it's like your your output isn't really uh, at the same speed anymore. So mm-hmm. yeah. How have you been, Alexander? Uh, okay. You know, just just watching MTV reality shows as you do. Um, I don't usually, but ah. I take your word for it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I tend to stick to the competition-based reality shows just because I feel like then there's at least like something, there's some strategy and there's things to discuss that aren't just other people's vanity. Right. <laughs> um, uh, which ones are not competition-based though? I, like like The Hills or um, Jersey Shore. Okay. That are just like people, quote unquote, living their lives. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah, I just don't watch enough of these things or, or to keep uh, up to date with what they're about. My wife watches some of, um, like the Japanese equivalent of, uh, reality shows. Right. And even those, which seem to be like just observing people, there's like an unwritten, or I don't even know if it's unwritten, but there's an understood competition in that, like, you have to hook up with someone. Okay. To, to like succeed in, in, uh, whatever they're doing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Seems like anything Japanese always has to have some sexual element to it. <laughs> well, I don't know. Maybe that uh, depends on your interpretation. But yeah. anyway, the the one that we are watching right now is called "Are You the One," mm-hmm. and um, they put in the previous seasons they put ten men, ten women, or actually eleven men, eleven women into a house, and. Uh, before the show commences, they're put through a bunch of psychological tests and um, like relationship matching things, et cetera, et cetera. And these psychologists and dating experts um, are able to determine who amongst the 11 of the opposite sex are their perfect match. And they need to engage in all the, with all these people and try to figure out who their perfect match is. And then every week they have a matchup ceremony where they pair off and there's these beams of light that shoot into the air to tell them how many, how many perfect matches they got, but they don't know which ones they are. And so they have to keep trying to whittle it down. And, and eventually it just becomes like a statistics problem mm. that you could, and, and that's what always frustrates me is you could probably figure it out based on statistics by just like doing, you know, just randomly assigning pairs at the beginning, seeing how many you get and then iterating from that over and over, but they get all messed up in their emotions and their, their allegiances, et cetera, et cetera. But the most recent season is all about 
non-binary individuals, gender non-binary or sexual orientation non-binary. So there's pansexuals, there's bisexuals, there's men, there's women, but they're all, they could be paired off with a man or a woman essentially, or, or a, or a transgender person or whatever. But if they're not the predetermined ideal match, though, are they allowed to pair off? Well, they are in the sense of like they could have a relationship after the show, but but ultimately the goal of the show is for them to figure out who their assigned perfect match is. Oh, yeah, okay. And uh, that that causes a lot of drama because people get into these emotionally fraught relationships within hours of being in this house, and yeah. then it turns out that they're not a match. But then they continue the relationship, and oh. everyone gets angry and they blow up, and yeah, yeah. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. I say out loud, but I don't really mean that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got to tell you, man, um, we started watching this show like maybe six months ago. And like, I, I would have thought I'd hate it, but it's very interesting. Okay. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Question for you. Have you seen Rounders? Yeah. Okay. So Rounders, for anyone who hasn't seen it, uh, 1996. Yeah. It's movie a, with Matt Damon and by John um, Dahl. John yeah. Dahl, written by Brian Koppelman. Um, Matt Damon and Edward Norton. It's a poker movie. Mm. Um, and you're a big poker player. I do play poker. Mm. Um, and uh, I've seen the movie a number of times. I've heard lots of people talk about the movie in various arenas, whether at the poker table or with my brother and his friends, because we all used to watch it a lot. Uh, on podcasts, etc., and it's a common refrain that Damon's girlfriend, played by um, I'm blanking on her name, but anyway, um, she's she's kind of an unnecessary character in the movie to, to a lot of, in a lot of respects, just because she's not really fully fleshed out. But the common refrain is that she's a wet blanket or just a dumb bitch or whatever, like that kind of the, the, macho the, attitude that you know she's she's like hampering his ability to achieve his dreams and you know she's getting in the way that kind of thing do you do you do you remember that element of the movie at all i don't okay no i just remember the poker okay yeah, yeah i was i was curious to see what what you might have to say about right. that but. this is like people who like viewers you get this you get that reaction from viewers when yeah. they reflect on that movie they say i remember that this that the girlfriend character was bringing him down yeah oh. um and like I, I get that to a certain extent, but but only to the extent that I feel like her character just isn't isn't developed enough, and so it's just kind of this one note performance, and she's just there to kind of make him have like to have some kind of resistance. Like the, I, I feel like there's there's some version of that in a lot of sports movies where the main character needs to have some reason that they need to like get back up and and right. really fight for for what they what they want to achieve it's not that seems to be a trope in a lot of movies where the protagonist needs to be like so pure about the thing that he does yeah it means he has to give up relationships right yeah yeah but in like it, it's different in this movie though because like gambling is not the same as like playing basketball like you can't you can't destroy your life by playing basketball, but you can definitely destroy your life by gambling. And that's, 
in a sense what Matt Damon's character is doing because he he goes with all of the money in his life he goes to play this big poker game and and loses it all and like that's the start of the movie and um for myself as 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 someone who does play poker like I know like you you need to be so aware of of your mental state and you need to be so aware of your money and how much you're wagering and um like playing within your means and all of these things that like, I really feel like there needs to be a voice of reason that he listens to, but there isn't. And he just kind of throws caution to the wind and ends up succeeding anyway. And so it's just this weird, I don't know. It's a weird thing that I, that, that came up while I was watching the movie recently and specifically watching it with my girlfriend who, who was like, well, no, she like, she's being totally reasonable that he shouldn't be playing and that it's ruining their relationship and all of these things. And, um, I don't know. So I, I, I was curious to see if you had any um, any reflections on that. But no, sorry, Just, it's been a long time since I saw Rounders. Yeah, it's a good movie but, though. But if if uh, I mean that would apply though, if you were watching a movie with the protagonist was a gunslinger, there yeah. would be a female character who would who would tell him to like, hey, you know, give up that lifestyle. You gotta, you know, we have a ranch to run or something. Yeah. Right. And then the gunslinger would be like, no, it's that's that's who I am. I gotta kill people. Like, yeah, but it's a, it's a weird thing that that you end up sympathizing with the person that's that's like doing the wrong thing. I like it's a weird thing that narratives are able to to make us root for, you know, Beatrix Kiddo going on a murderous rampage and kill Bill or like like you you want that to happen. I yeah, I think it's, uh, it's, I think it's when bizarre. we when we go to the movies we we want someone to be extraordinary, not be ordinary. Yeah. And and um, saying like I'll take the safe route and I'll give up this bad habit is an ordinary thing to do. Yeah. But if you can if you can excel at it and conquer it and uh, and despite what everyone else says what anyone what the detractors say if you could overcome it and and be a success that's what we're rooting for. Yeah. Did you watch um sorry for this tangent but uh what was it Flight We're we're Did, already on a pretty significant tangent. Yeah. So. Flight. Did you watch? Yeah, by the way, I, we're going to talk about Braven yeah. <laughs> on this podcast. Yeah, there's a Denzel Washington starred in Flight. Yes. Um directed by Robert Zemeckis. Did you watch yes, that? Yes, I did. Okay. I my my rem- my memory of it when I watched it in the theater was that moment spoilers ahead for a flight sorry when it looked like Denzel Washington was trying to go clean right but he was he was he was struggling he wasn't going to make it and then John Goodman's character comes in and he says like well forget it let's just load up on all this alcohol and and maybe cocaine or whatever else was going on let's just you know let's just take it to the to the nth level right uh so that he could just be like you know, totally stoked to go to the courthouse and stuff, and yeah, he was yeah, going to yeah. be super high, right? The audience the, that I was watching with, uh, and I, I think I, I, I felt the same feeling. The audience was just like, they're ready to cheer, like, yeah, go for it, <laughs> like this is who you Get are. Fucked up, yeah, right. That was like that was the mood of the audience watching the movie. It was like, yes, we want you to be extraordinary. But it was, but I mean, even the movie uh, comes back and says like, no, this is the wrong move. Like yeah. the, the movie condemns the character for doing that. Yeah. So it's, it's well, and, and and as if I recall correctly, he um, he comes to that conclusion yeah, as well, yeah. and it, it admits yeah. that he's like drunk on the stand or whatever. That's right. So it, yeah. The, yeah. So I mean, it, it's it's a movie that says uh, 
I, I mean, it, it sort of uh, undermines the glorification of this character's skill. Right. That even though he's like the, a super awesome pilot, that he could that he could save all these people even though he's drunk. Right. It's wrong that he's drunk. Right. Right. And I think that is uh, that's a, like a very daring message for a, for a, for a Hollywood movie to take. Yeah. To say your extraordinary skill doesn't excuse you from uh, from your bad behavior. Yeah. I think it's just with uh, again, I can't remember the specific case in Rounders, but. Maybe it's just that as a viewer, we're uh, a little bit disappointed when someone takes the safe path, mm-hmm. or or we root against those people that are that are encouraging them to take take the safe path. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. That was a deep tangent. I think yeah. I think people should be encouraged to take the safe path more in movies, and it should be embraced. Well, if and there should be the more, movies... there should be more striving for goodness and. If the movies glorify taking the safe path, we would then we would follow suit, right? Yeah. But the movies don't. They, they say like, you know, be awesome, be yeah. daring, be, uh, you know, be the maverick, right? Be irrational. So we're talking about Canadian movies. It's kind of. We were. The, that's that's sort of our intent. Yeah. And so I noticed when I was uh, looking through Netflix Canada's um, selection of Canadian movies, Braven came up. So I said, right. hey, why don't we watch Braven? It stars Jason Momoa as a Newfoundland logger. Yes. Well, actually, I don't know if it's set in Newfoundland, but uh, it's it's filmed in Newfoundland and it's it's set somewhere on the Canadian U.S. border. And then, yeah, they made some comment at some point of crossing the border. Right. So, we, but we don't know if they crossed into America or out of America. <laughs> uh, my guess is that they were there, there was an attempt to cross into it because uh, Jason Momoa is a logger, um, and I think loggers have to work on the Canadian side. Right. It's just my. But then the police drive a sheriff's vehicle. That's true, and they did have um, American flags on their uh, on their sleeves, right. on their shoulders. Yeah, and I think the bad guys are American because they want drugs, and um, and usually drugs aren't homegrown in America; they have to be imported. Right. So that's I think that's how we understand where it's situated. Yeah, which is still kind of vague. <laughs> <laughs> the movie is kind of a generic actioner. Yeah, yeah. But I think uh, pretty competently made. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, did you enjoy it? I did. Yeah, mm-hmm. me too. All right. Um, Braven, 2018, directed by Lynn Oding, yes. um, who's an American. He has a lot of uh, TV credits to his name, and he used to be uh, like a stuntman. Uh, or not like a stuntman. He was, he was, yeah, he worked in stunts. He was a stuntman right. and a stunt coordinator. Yeah. Uh, the writers are Michael Nylon and Thomas Paasibet. Which I, I totally butchered those names, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Jason Momoa is Joe Braven. A snicker. <laughs> no. <laughs> Joe Braven. Like, that is, that's, that's the kind of name you select for a generic action movie. Yes. Yep. Jim um, Slap Guy. <laughs> uh, yeah. All J names. John Tumble. John. Tumble Boss. You got any good ones? Mm, Jim Manley. Jim Manley. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Mitch something. Mitch Cannon. Cannon? We, yeah. No? Yeah. We're getting out of the J's. Sorry. We're totally off topic. Um, so he's a logger. He's a logger. He seems to be a stand-up guy. He's a family man. He's trying to keep a keep his buddy on the right path. 
Yeah, and he's looking after his dad, who seems to be in the early stages of uh, Some dementia, form of dementia or something. Or something yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. His dad played by Stephen Lang, and uh, so so the there's 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 two plot threads going on. Yes. One is that bad guys have hidden drugs in Joe's uh, cabin in the woods, and so they come to retrieve the drugs, and and um, thereby like it's a kind of a siege on sorry, did right did I say that right siege siege I think it's a hard G siege 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 that's uh, that a hard G is it good I don't know anyway it's harder than a than a they, G they attack the house <laughs> and he has to defend the house yes from the the cabin he has to defend the cabin so that's that's one plot line the other plot line is that Joe is he's wondering what to do about his dad because he keeps having these delusions about his his um, being younger and and uh, wanting to um, uh, be with his wife so right. he'll, he'll like grab a woman in the bar and, and say like we gotta go home I don't know that that's necessarily a separate plot line as as much as it is just an excuse to get them to the cabin and, but, but that's exactly that's exactly why it's a major plot, plot line, though, right? Is like that's the reason they go to the cabin. Yeah, but I, I guess I guess like from that point, it's not really a part of the movie. Then it's just the siege. Mm. I think we came for the siege. Yeah, yeah. When you when you suggested that we watch this movie, I thought you said it was a werewolf movie. <laughs> I don't remember that. I swear to God, if I go back through my texts, there's there is talk of of us watching a werewolf movie. And I was like, yeah, sure, that sounds great. <laughs> well, we should watch more, more werewolf movies. Have I talked about Jason Momoa's eyebrows and face? Do you like Jason Momoa? No. Um, I haven't really seen much of him. Okay. I, I, I saw, I saw, um, I didn't see Justice League, but I saw Batman versus Superman, which he's in for like five minutes. Um, I didn't see Aquaman, and then I, I saw the one season of, uh, of Game of Thrones that he was in. Or okay. maybe two seasons? I don't know. Mm. All right. Is he only in it for that long? I haven't yeah. watched uh, Game yeah, of Thrones he, yet. He, uh, yeah. he gets killed off. Oh, okay. Yeah. His eyebrows and eye makeup just seem so pronounced that I kind of find it hard to look at his face. Mm-hmm. Is that is that weird for me to say? Uh, no, mm-hmm. I don't think so. Anyway, I but I, don't, I haven't seen enough of his work to like make a um, statement about how I feel about his work. Yeah. It's just that I just find it hard to look at his face. Right. Yeah. Even like... When I uh, do like a Google search for images of him when he's not on set, when he's just like getting caught by paparazzi cameras or whatever, I mean, he still seems like he has heavy eye makeup or really like, pronounced eyebrow styling. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I agree. Anyway, that's his thing. Power to you. But it's not my thing. Um, oh, okay. This is, this is what it was. Okay. Braven on Netflix. Jason Momoa as a logger in Newfoundland filmed action movie. Want to watch and record podcast? I said, yes. Are there werewolves? <laughs> and you said, were moose maybe. But I guess there was enough time between then and when I actually watched the movie that when I sat down to watch it, I thought there were werewolves. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but you brought up werewolves. Why did you expect werewolves? Um, did the title make you think of werewolves? Yeah, and I guess it... Being in Newfoundland? I don't know, man. I, I genuinely have no idea. Is Newfoundland known for werewolves? I don't think so. Anyway, so... Um, or maybe because of his eyebrows? Uh, He's got a bit of a werewolf eye. <laughs> uh, I think he is a pretty solid action movie actor, though. Yeah. And uh, in this one, he has, uh, he has like one or two emotional scenes, which I think he acquits himself pretty 
pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. So I have nothing against Jason Momoa. Right. Yeah. I also do not have anything against Jason Momoa. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so, if anything else, he was probably the reason that this movie got made. So. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, and though it's odd that it doesn't have like a wider publicity or uh, yeah. thing about it. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, it's it's very kind of minimally a Canadian content movie, I yeah. guess, right? So uh, maybe we should stop talking now or should we just keep going? <laughs> yeah. We need to post something for this month, I feel. So <laughs> let's just keep going. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess given that we haven't seen the Newfoundland landscape yeah. in the wintertime in a, in a movie. Yeah. I think we, we saw, or we kind of did, but it, but in, in the city in, um, in Goon, cause that was in St. John's. Was it? Oh, yeah. okay. Right. We also saw a bit of it in, um, the one about the painter. Mm. Oh, Maudie. Maudie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, though I, I think it was meant to be Nova Scotia. Yeah. But it was part of it was filmed in uh, Newfoundland. Yeah. So there's this, there's like this cliffside, this bluff in the movie, which shows up a couple of times. Yeah. Like that, that seems to be like their, um, their big get in terms yeah. of a Newfoundland location. I mean, it's really yeah, pretty. It's, it's, and it's like a very striking location. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. Um, so. And makes for some awesome action moments yeah. that are totally plausible. <laughs> <laughs> He's shaking his head. <laughs> we'll get to that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Now, if we go down to the cast list, it's, we go, we have to go pretty deep before we have any Canadian actors represented. Do you remember who Essington is? The character Essington? No. Okay. But played by Teach Grant. Essington. Was he one of the henchmen? I don't know. Probably, yeah. Yeah. The sheriff, uh, played by Steve O'Connell. I'm pretty sure he's Canadian because he's been in Republic of Doyle. Okay. And Brendan Fletcher is definitely Canadian. Uh, he plays Weston, who I think is the, well, I think he's the, he's the logger who mm. gets, uh, who gets him, gets in, uh, lot of trouble right yeah it's a, he, i think he sounded canadian yeah. yeah so those guys are canadian but yeah. uh, like the the main cast are americans mm-hmm. okay yeah they get to the cabin because um joe wants some quiet time with his dad right because he's got to convince his dad to go to a retirement home right right so i think for joe his his main dilemma is what to do about his dad right so that's why I think that is a main plot thread. Yeah. So is the movie concerned with that plot thread or the siege plot thread? I think you could, you could, you could argue it either way. You're going to argue that it's, it's about the action. Sure. I get yeah. that. But, but for the character, isn't, isn't the moment when, um, and I don't want to, I don't want to give away how this is resolved, but, but when Joe has like an answer about what to do with his dad, doesn't that seem like the resolution of the main plot? But what is the answer? Oh, he doesn't have to worry about it anymore. Right. Oh, oh, I see what you mean. Because he was, because he's, he's, he's so like, oh, I don't know, like, I, you know, I owe my dad, but I don't want to put him in a home and all. Yeah, I mean, it's like, what am I going to do? I can't, I can't make this decision. And then he doesn't have to make the decision. Right. But, but I guess, I guess to me, it feels more like just something that's tacked on to the, to the action movie, like that, that, to the, to the, the shootout with the drug dealers, like that, 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 seems like really what they wanted to make a movie about and then it's like okay well how do we how do we build some emotional moments around that and how do we ensure that we can get everyone to this location and involve all the family members in some way and and make it more tense than if it were just him on his own or or whatever yeah 
So if if uh, you were like interpreting the narrative threads of Die Hard, yeah, yeah, you would say Die Hard is about John McClane and Hans Gruber facing off, right? Like that's it's about their the the tension between those two characters and how that's going to be resolved. You would say it's not about John McClane whether he's going to get back with his wife. Um, yeah, I don't know. But it's the same sort of thing where it's it's where uh, I think we're led into that situation uh, because of some the, domestic issue, right? Right, the, yeah, right, right. Yeah, yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah that's a good point. But, um, but uh, you're right that it's about Hans Gruber and John McClane. I, yeah, that's, yeah, that's why we went to the. That's why we bought a ticket, right? Yeah, so, but um, I, I think similarly. Uh, <laughs> I, I think a better a better example would be. Um, whatever the like fifth Die Hard movie is called like too hard to die or something um what is do you know it, live for your die hard live i think that, so yeah that, i think that's the fourth one right? that that the question of that movie is is john mcclane on vacation or not or when will john mcclane get to get to go on vacation <laughs> okay <laughs> It's just he's very clearly not on vacation, and yet multiple times through the movie he exclaims, "I'm on vacation!" Like, why? Why do I have to be in this shootout right now? I'm on vacation. It's like, no, dude, you went to find your son because he got kidnapped by Russian mobsters. You're not on vacation. Yeah, that's uh, that's not live for your die hard. That's um, the other one. Right? Too hard to die hard. Uh, a good day to die hard. A good day to die hard. Live Free or Die Hard is the one with Timothy Oliphant? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Which is a yeah. good one. That's, yeah. No, think? the one after where he goes to Russia, and yeah. it's, it's terrible. That's a piece of shit. Yeah. yeah, it's so bad. Oh, yeah. And it's, oh, and talk about generic action. Generic action actors. Who's that guy in there? Joe, Joe, what's his name? Joe, shortcut hair. Mm. I have no idea. Who plays his son? Because uh, we don't know his name. I have no idea. Because he's just got Taylor that. Kitsch? No, no. It's, um, he was in Avatar, right? Oh, I haven't seen Avatar. Isn't I think he's in Avatar. I'm, I'm some of those Australian actor with like uh, with like you know short cropped hair and uh, anyway, it's just one of those generic action guys, right? Yeah, yeah. That they're trying to that Hollywood's trying to push as like he should be in all the movies, but right. it was like no one no one remembers him. No one cares. No one cares. Right. Anyway, I don't remember his name. I'm sure he's on like some sort of um, SWAT TV show thing. Joe Braven. No. <laughs> so uh, well i guess i guess the question is about this the, there's this domestic issue and this drug dealer shootout what's more compelling i guess is why I brought well it up. I, we know what's more compelling but does does the movie successfully weave these two things together such that like the emotional catharsis around that secondary plot element is 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 that is, is it successful those, I think those two narrative threads, I think, are, are woven nicely in this movie because because uh, Joe doesn't know what to do with his dad, and he's got this loyalty to his dad, but he's also got a, you know he's his his dad has kind of passed his prime, right. and so when they're put into the situation with the uh, with the drug dealers coming in, um, like his dad has to has to like take action, right? And so right. his dad proves that he's still. Uh, a tough guy. Yeah. So I think that's that's really good. Um, yeah. So we get to see that. And, but and that also doesn't really have any bearing on whether or not he has dementia because he still has dementia. Well, but there's the tension of like, can he be reliable enough to defend the house, right? Yeah. Or is his is his uh, his mental illness? Yeah. And up? I think I think I think it's a it's a difficult it's a difficult dynamic to navigate because like he the the, the father Stephen Lang's character he says. 
you know, like what, well, when my dad, when he gave me the farm or whatever business they had, you know, it wasn't because he didn't think he could do it anymore. He just wanted to pass on his legacy and, you know, we didn't, we didn't throw him up in a home or whatever, but it's not alluded to whether or not that his, his father had dementia. And so like, it, it's this, it, it, it's, it's the struggle of, you know, I still want to be considered a human. I don't, I don't want to be considered this, this broken shell of a man that, you know, has to be, has to be cared for in a, in a, in an isolated facility. Like, mm -hmm. yeah. At, at what point does that become someone else's decision rather than your own decision as to how you should be taken care of or where you should live? I think that's, it's a difficult thing to navigate. And as you say, the decision sort of made for Joe in the end. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, right. So I, <laughs> that we're even talking about it to this degree. I think the movie comes close to treating this very sensitively. Right. Yeah. Um, and then, and then it washes its hands of it later. Right. So, <laughs> um, let's talk about Joe. Yeah. Who seems, because he's played by Jason Momo, he's going to be a capable action guy. Right. right. But, um, for a lot of this, a lot of the, a lot of the setups in this movie, he kind of gets by out of, um, just like by sheer luck. Right. Like he's lucky he doesn't get shot by a sniper. Yeah. He's lucky that he, like he survives going off the cliff. Yeah. Uh, so it doesn't, it doesn't really seem like he is. Twice, like, by the way. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't seem like he's like getting by because, like, he has skills apparently, but yeah. it's it's not obvious that he is using them to some deliberate effect. Right. It's just like he's just standing in the right place, it seems. Yeah, he seems more like Macaulay Culkin in Home Alone <laughs> than <laughs> than like a you know, like a trained Navy SEAL or something. Which he's not. He's we don't get that background. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe it's um, you know, uh purposeful that we don't know how he got his uh his ass kicking training. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like even, the, even the opening scenes when he's logging, he's just like supervising other guys loading a truck. He's not like, we don't see him doing logger stuff or right. lumberjack stuff, yeah. it, which have been very stereotypical, but wouldn't you, wouldn't it have been satisfying to see him like be like a lumberjack? Yeah. I mean, I guess, I guess that I, I think, I think for, again, for the story, it kind of makes more sense that he is, he is like the foreman. He's overseeing the, the operation. And so he has this more, authoritative position within within the the camp and therefore um feels like he can he 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 appears to be some sort of father figure to the to the um the character who ends up betraying him and and stashing these drugs in his cabin in the first place and mm -hmm. so that that creates an interesting dynamic and yeah 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 but there wasn't a scene like where a you know a guy is struggling with a chainsaw and, and then he, he just, has to come in and say, like, no, this is how you handle a chainsaw. Right? <laughs> There's not that scene. Right. right. Yeah. So um, he just seems like a very mild-mannered kind of middle management guy for yeah. the most part of the movie, for yeah. the first part of the movie. And then and then uh, he has to defend the house. And, you know, it's lucky that they have they have a cache of weapons in the cabin. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. But although although I guess you do you do get some sense that they're accomplished hunters because they're they're good with a bow and arrow. Both, oh yeah. Both he and the, and the and the the wife. Yeah, right. And the father seems to be a decent shot as well. So I don't know. There there's there's some there's some backstory that's not explicitly stated in the movie, but it it seems it's I like it's I guess it's believable that 
that he is physically capable and and gets himself out of these situations. It doesn't seem completely ludicrous. No, um, it doesn't. The, the aspect that is more completely ludicrous is is as you say the fact that he survives more by luck in these in these cliffside encounters. Yeah. Yeah. But I I like that his whole family seems like they're capable people, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like you said his wife is uh, a fighter, mm-hmm. which was uh which was a bit unexpected, but I was surprised. Mm-hmm. Um but happily surprised when like she got into an encounter and she handled herself. Yeah. yeah. And even the daughter mm-hmm. um even though she doesn't get into any violent encounters, she handles herself well in terms of actually following orders from her father and doing what she's told as opposed to being a stupid movie character that doesn't listen to directions and getting herself in trouble because of that yeah i was dreading the moment where she'd be taken hostage yeah all that but the the movie avoids that cliche yeah and i think that's satisfying Yeah. yeah though though it does make the movie kind of um like the plot structure is pretty neat though right yeah it's it's kind of just um go to the cabin hold off the invaders and uh, hope to succeed yeah. yeah i mean there's there's not there's not too many complexities beyond that no so yeah um and and i i, I was a little disappointed that it didn't kind of scratch the lumberjack exploitation itch right <laughs> but <laughs> there was the one moment where he goes up the tree and i was uh i was very um happy that he was able to scale the tree so quickly yeah yeah um but uh we didn't have like a log rolling action scene, and uh, <laughs> you laugh. But wouldn't you have liked to have seen that? Or or a chainsaw based murder oh, scene yeah. or something? Like yeah. this movie, if if it could if it could have had a chainsaw fight, yeah. that would just been the best. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah, I guess I guess like it doesn't it doesn't want to lean into the those genre elements too too severely, but then at the same time. Like some of the some of the fight scenes do do get kind of bloody and violent, but I guess you don't see too much of it. So it is it is kind of run of the mill in that way, I suppose. Yeah, that's which is why if it just did something exploitational, yeah, um, or or just like uh, you know one of those. Uh, well, I'm just saying, like, it just it would have added some kind of flavor to it. Yeah, that we could say, like, yes, this is that movie which had that scene, but it's just yeah. it's just kind of a. Well, I think I think those I think those cliffside ones maybe are those scenes. Oh, okay. Because, like, they're just, or yeah, like I said, that the kind of home alone elements of the movie, like, it feels like he's just constantly like setting up these traps or setting up these elaborate plans on a whim that like have to be carried out to perfection and just so happen to be carried out to perfection. Yeah, like, yeah. um, he's also very lucky where, uh, like when, when the bad guys are invading the house, like he puts a bunch of arrows and an, and an ax into the fireplace to like warm them up. Right? Yeah. Yeah. He has time to like take one out of the fireplace and use it against an enemy. And then he goes back to the fireplace, to, like get the next one. No, I know. Yeah. I know. So, That's what I mean. Like, <laughs> like he has all this time to yeah. kind of, plan out all these all these attacks when like these guys have automatic weapons and and could just storm the house like it 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 did seem a bit in uh that uh, unbelievable to me that like this the house seemed to be this like impenetrable fortress 
that they didn't just walk in immediately and right. and take their drugs and kill everyone and be done with it. Yeah. Well, the the bad guys, um, though uh, the like the head bad guy, he seems to be like a very imposing figure. Right. Um, they just don't really seem to have much of a plan. Yeah. Other than like barking orders about surrounding the house, they right. they, they they really know how to surround a house, yeah. but they don't really carry out carry through with anything. No. Um, and and even like right from the get go, this idea of uh, they weren't expecting anyone to be in the house, so now we got to kill everyone. It seems just a bit. Um, it, it's just really like jumping too far. Like why didn't they? There, there could have been easier ways to get the drugs out. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, especially when they said like like we'll give it to you and and be done with it. Like that seems like a reasonable way to cap things off um also it just doesn't seem like as as a as a you know ambitious drug lord like i don't i don't see it being in your best interest to be present at one of these one of these altercations and also um like just at a, at a certain point i feel like it's just a, it's just a loss it's just a, it's just a, um, it's just kind of a, it's a cost of doing business that you're going to lose a shipment every once in a while. And you just have to accept that. Oh, you don't sound like you're going to be a very successful drug runner. Well, but, well, no, but like, like if, if the, if the only outcome of this whole thing is that the police are going to show up and multiple people are going to be dead and you're probably going to be dead anyway, like, I just don't see how that's the best outcome. Oh, no, and that not, seems like not. what they're prepared yeah. to do. This, but this could be like the last, uh, maybe this is like the last score he needs to like pay off this house. Right. Like he just has to get this one. Right. And, and, then, then, he's then, out. and then he's out of the game. Yeah. 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 So then maybe he just, he's all in on, on this one shipment that he has to pick up. Right. But, <laughs> uh, yeah. No, he doesn't have a good plan at all. And yeah. uh, even when he like just executes um, the, the dumb logger who, um, who messed up the delivery. Yeah. Um, just to show that he can. Yeah, that seemed like also a bad move. Like, yeah. Why not just why not send him in to like get the drugs? Yeah. And then you're out. Yeah. <laughs> and especially like send him in while you're sitting in the car still, so that you're not seen, so that you're not tied to this crime in any way. <laughs> like, yeah. Instead of having like a smart complication to the plot, it, it, the movie kind of just went with like, well. Let's just have them wait in the woods and and start shooting at each other. Cause, yeah. yeah. Instead of something more uh, thought out. Yeah. So, but that said, I still found it pretty satisfying in terms of uh, just a generic action movie. Yeah. yeah. Totally. Um, yeah. His uh, Garrett Dillahunt, the the main sort of drug lord guy, um, who will, who looks a little bit. I thought like, um, is it William Sanderson? Does that know. sound? I think he's in one of the Die Hard movies, but okay. I, anyway, um, at first I thought it was someone else, but um, right. you you spotted him. You knew you recognized him from another movie. Yeah, I've, I've recognized him from a few things, I guess. But um, he was he was one of the he was one of the recurring characters in Deadwood. Okay, um, I, I, it's been such a long time since I've watched Deadwood that I don't I honestly don't remember too much of what what he did. I, th- I feel like he might have been like a preacher or something, actually. But anyway. His his performance is just like hammy over the top, and I I I thought it was pretty funny. I thought it was good, like especially when he's got the when he's got the dad by the throat, and he's 
you know, you, you did this, you, and it's just like, it was, uh, it was entertaining. Uh-huh. It definitely was entertaining. Yeah. yeah. And then I, w- I was sort of trying to reflect on what movies we could compare this to. And when I was looking up his credits, all of a sudden I realized he was in No Country for Old Men, mm. which seemed like an interesting comparison point. Mm. Okay. Um, the obvious comparison would have been like a Die Hard movie, right? Right. Yeah. But that didn't occur to me at all. You don't think so? No. Oh. But, th- but now that you say it, it makes a lot of sense, yeah. Okay. Speci- I, I guess specifically Die Hard 1 and 2 because they're in more sort of enclosed areas mm-hmm. where the characters have to be more creative or, or specifically John McClane has to be more creative with how he sort of plans out his attacks and, and that kind of thing. Yeah. Oh, maybe it's not a good comparison. Like, I, don't, I don't know if Joe Braven does anything very clever. And then he just, he, he has weapons ready to go. So he doesn't have to, he doesn't have to like be creative about how to get himself armed. Right. He's just ready to be, he's ready to go. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, but uh, how do you see the, it compared the, with the, the two that the two that came to mind for me were No Country for Old Men and Green Room, and it feels like it's kind of a mix of the two mm. in a way. Yeah, that's that's a good point. Yeah. So No Country for Old Green Room. <laughs> no Green Room for Old Men. <laughs> no Green Room for Old Men. That's a good one. <laughs> yeah, I mean No Country for Old Men in the sense that like there's drugs or in or money involved, and there's a person who is not themselves a criminal, but it has to sort of decide to do morally questionable things in order to protect themselves or, but, but I mean, in the case of no country for old men, he's, he's not necessarily making decisions to protect himself, but making, to protect himself, but making decisions to take advantage of a situation that he shouldn't have been a part of and dealing with the repercussions of that in the form of an unstoppable evil force. Um, Whereas in this movie, the, the evil forces are very much stoppable. <laughs> um, and I guess the, the, like the moral spectrum of the movie isn't, isn't as, um, broad or it's not as gray, um, in the sense that there's a bunch of bad guys doing bad things and there's a bunch of good guys having to do bad things, but not because they've, they've done anything bad. Um, yeah, but then, but then green room in the sense of it just being this enclosed thing. And again, someone getting into having to be violent, not because of anything they did, but because they witnessed something that they shouldn't have kind of yep. thing. Yeah. So I don't know. What, what, what do you see? Or, or did you have any other ideas? Other no, than I, th- that I, think, I think you're right. The the comparison with the uh, old country, no, con- no country is uh, an appropriate one. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, showcasing landscapes. Is that? Is also living on the border. Yeah, there's yeah yeah. So. <laughs> um, okay, I uh, I hold uh, No Country for Old Men in pretty high esteem. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, it's that's kind of like a, a high standard, right? So, uh, and Braven is gonna be like minus five against that. Okay. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I'd say, I'd say minus six. Mm-hmm. I just, I, I think, I think the main thing for me is that, like, it's, it's, it's an entertaining action movie, but it doesn't achieve that level of like really wrestling with any moral issues the way that No Country does, and even the way that that Green Room does. Yeah. Well, it doesn't have the ambitions of of No Country. Yeah, that's fine. 
not all movies have to be you know country for old men. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, now we we kind of ranked it a, a good notch below No Country, but would you yeah. so would you recommend someone watch Braven? I think so. Hmm? Like I thought I thought of a few people in my office that I would recommend it to hmm? as I was watching it in the office. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah, I would recommend it too. So. Yeah. All right. Okay. Next time we'll um, talk about a more Canadian Canadian movie. Yes. Uh, do you have one in mind? Sharkwater. That's not bad, and uh, that's very topical considering what what government did about shark protection recently. Huh? What's this? Oh, well, I guess we'll we'll tell you next episode. Ah, cliffhanger. Or you could just like check the news and you'll figure that out. But yeah, yeah. we'll talk about it next uh, next episode. Cool. Until then. <laughs>